years ago, I remember when the word fork suddenly sounded really weird to my ears. You ever had that, that you've had uh, a normal word, an ordinary word, and you've said it a million times, and then all of a sudden this word sounds really strange, like this word fork. I said it, and then I wasn't sure if it was the right word, or even if it was a word. Fork. 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 It was like the word suddenly lost all meaning. I was second-guessing myself. I, I felt maybe I was losing my mind. Why doesn't this word make sense? Maybe you've experienced something similar. Well, according to science, the good news is that if you have, you're not losing your mind because this phenomenon is actually a thing. It's a thing with a name, and it's known as semantic satiation. Semantic satiation. This means meaning, and this means full. So it's like um, it's kind of overflowed with meaning. It's kind of lost all meaning because it's so full. Semantic satiation. Now, uh, Wikipedia explain semantic cessation like this. It says that it's a psychological phenomenon in which repetition causes a word or phrase to temporarily lose meaning for the listener, uh, who then perceives the speech as repeated meaningless sounds. Repeated meaningless sounds. Like your kids' names when you've been yelling at them over and over again. Now, as the church, I believe that we also suffer from semantic satiation, right? We have words like Jesus and salvation and hope and gospel and light and life and worship and church, and we use them over and over again, and over time, they can actually lose their meaning. Now, this morning, we're going to look at one of these phrases. Um, It's a biblical phrase that suffers from semantic satiation, and the phrase is born again. Last week we uh, lit the candle of joy and we said that joy turns praise, joy transforms praise into proclamation. And then the previous week we uh, lit the candle of peace and we said, uh, and we said that Romans 5 tells us to um, l- look back at peace and to look down at the grace in which we stand and then to look ahead in hope. And then going back to the first week we um, lit the candle of hope and we said that A different kind of a year, which is what we've had over this past year, needs a different kind of advent. One that resists the urge to lose ourselves um, in nostalgia or in noise and instead to choose a third way uh, to walk or to venture into the wilderness of the advent um, and to construct a highway of repentance for our God to come into our lives. Now this morning we've lit the fourth candle, which is the candle of love. And it's this theme uh, that, that uh, really binds the themes of the previous three weeks all together. It's the love of Jesus that brings us peace and joy and hope. And that's what John chapter 3 is, is really about. It's, um, in many ways, it's a chapter of love, the love of God. And then right in the middle of John chapter 3, we discover the most famous verse in the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16. It's a verse which is all about um, a global and a radical and an undeserved love. But it's the one verse in the Bible, I would say, that has suffered most from semantic satiation, right? It's so well known that it's lost its meaning. 
We say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And we rattle it off, and it leaves us unmoved. John chapter 3.16 is, um, is old news. Being born again, which is a theme in John 3, is old news. It's fallen victim, in a sense, to its own success. And what we need to do is we need to rediscover the wildness and the radical language of John chapter 3. And in doing so, hopefully we will rediscover the wildness and the radical nature of John 3.16. Now, in order to breathe old yet new life into John 3.16, I'm not actually going to spend a lot of time on this particular verse. Instead, we will look at the verses surrounding 3.16 and hopefully... With the Holy Spirit's help, we will see it in a new light. So let's pray. Lord, would you speak to us through your word? Would you shine new light? Would you breathe new air into our lungs? Would you, would you, would you um, bring new thoughts into our minds, Lord God? And may we once again uh, see this radical nature of this verse and this chapter and this concept of being born again. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if I was to summarize the message of John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21, I might say something like this, that, uh, that that true belief induces new birth, that true belief induces new birth. And so I want to look at these two ideas, at the idea of true belief and the idea of new birth and and so let's start with looking at new birth what what is new birth well the clues um, are in verses 1 through 7 and as you hear these verses read John 3 1 through 7 I want you to listen to or, or to note or to count how many times you hear anything to do with being born or birth or born again okay here's John chapter 3 1 through 7 Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. Okay, how many times was birth or born or born again mentioned? Well, I counted seven. Seven times in six verses. Now, for many people, being born again, quote-unquote, has become a tired, worn-out phrase, right? Semantic satiation. But what if you were Nicodemus, hearing Jesus say this to you for the first time? You must be born again. Nicodemus hears this, and his answer is, how can someone be born when they are old? In his mind and in his experience, he's translating Jesus' words literally. He's asking, how can he, a grown man, an old man, climb inside his mother's womb once again? It's an absurd image. And 
When we're faced with this, we're tempted to say to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, Jesus doesn't mean this literally. Don't be silly. He means it metaphorically or spiritually. Now, unfortunately, when we say that, what we sort of mean is that we're trying to downplay the meaning. And we're trying to file it in a category of, this is just spiritual language. This is just religious language. In, in a sense, we're saying, you know, Jesus doesn't really mean what he says. But here's the thing, friends, is that the shock and the absurdity of the physical image, this is a shocking image. This shock and this absurdity is supposed to reflect the shock and the absurdity of the spiritual image. Um, what's, what happens in the physical realm, this shouldn't happen in the spiritual realm either. It's absurd. It's absurd. You know, if, if you imagine yourself as a grown adult or a teenager or a child somehow being transported back into your biological mum's womb to be reborn, uh, then that image is as radical and insane an image as being spiritually born again is. It's supposed to make you react and say, say what now? In fact... Jesus says this in verse 5. He says, um, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water um, and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And uh, Now, water here um, means the physical birth, and spirit here means the second birth. Spiritual life comes from the spirit. One translator actually translates this like this. He says, uh, human life comes from human parents, but spiritual life comes from the spirit. It's a whole other order of existence. And then Jesus says this to Nicodemus in verse 7. He says, you must be born again, or you must be born from above which is another way to translate that. You must be born again, or you must be born from above. So this is a summary of verses 1 through 7. You must be born again. Jesus is saying that in order to you, for you to become fully human in the way that God intended, you must be born again. You must be born from above. There's no other way. And this process is as momentous and as earth-shattering as if you were a grown human being being born from your mother's womb. You are literally a new person. You aren't just a revamped old you. You are a new creation. But Here's the problem. Trying to explain to someone who is not born from above or not born again what it is to be born from above is not easy. Okay? And to help us understand this, we can look at it like this. Let's imagine that, um, that there's a human male who's been growing inside his mother's womb for 30 years and then someone comes along to him and uh, says to him... Um, uh, mate, you really have to come out here. Out here in the real world, uh, it's crazy. There's the sights and the sounds and the experiences. You know, last week I went for a hike in the woods, and then we went shopping, and then we watched a movie with our kids, and then we Zoomed with their grandparents while we ate a burger and fries. Life out here is amazing. And the man in the womb is saying, 
I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm in here and it's warm and safe. I don't know what walking is or shopping or movies or Zooming. I don't understand that. And, and I don't need to eat burgers because I have this handy dandy little tube that links me to my mum and I never have to eat. And the friend outside is speaking through the woman's belly to this man. And she's like, okay, just for the burger and fries alone, you need to come out and experience life out here. You need to try it. And then the guy inside the womb says, yeah, but how do I know it's true? How do I know that I'll like it? Right in here, I have everything that I need. Okay, Let's agree, right? You do you and I'll do me. I'm a womb dude and you're one of these radical born folks. And that's okay. And then she finally says, look, mate, you don't know what you're missing. And you won't know until you do it. But I know that you won't regret it. And that's like Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus in, in verse 1, in the dark of the night, which symbolizes, you know, the darkness of being unborn. And he's all about his religiousness and his education and his, his experience. And then Jesus comes to him and says, you know, you're only living half a life. You've only been born once. You need to be born again. You need to be born from above. In essence, Jesus is telling Nicodemus that spiritually speaking, he's in the womb. He's not been born yet. But here's the tricky thing when you're talking to, uh, you know, to people who've only been born once, to womb dudes as it were. You know, the thing is, is that there's no samples of being born again or being born from above. You can't try it for 30 days and then return it if you don't like it. The only way to experience being born again is to be born again. You know, an unborn baby in the physical world can't stick out a limb and sample the outside world and then say, actually, it's not for me. Right? Birth is an all or nothing thing. Now, that's not to say that there's not good evidence to lead you to choose to take this step of faith, right? Even though you can't see God and his work, you can see the results. Then, and that's what verse 7 means. Um, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And this thing here where, uh, where it says that the wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound. This means that... There are evidences that can help you to make the right choice based on um, really good proof, right? Really good rationale. So, so choosing the second birth is a choice that you can make with good warrant. Um, you, know, you know, you see the joy of Jesus' followers, and you see the peace in their lives, uh, and you see the lives of being, people being changed around you, and you see the hope which they have in spite of the circumstances around. Uh, you know, and you see the different, um, the different evidences, uh, you know, the cosmological evidence and the teleological evidence and, uh, you know, all of these different things. And you can reach a conclusion that there is a second life beyond the one that you're experiencing. But ultimately, uh, it requires faith. It, it requires faith to step into the unknown. And just like a baby, there comes a moment where you're ready and you're done with living in the darkness and it's time for the second birth. 
it's time for this new order of living. A uh, little baby needs to be born in order to progress as a healthy, fully formed human. When we look to the image of this man who was 30 years old, still in his mother's womb, there was something within us that just was that just rebelled against that as an idea. It's just wrong, right? And so we understand that. Well, it's also true on a spiritual level um, is that a human needs to be born again in order to experience the full life that God intended. And so for some of you this morning, you're ready to be born again. You're ready to be born from above. You just know that this is the moment, you're ready for this new, new category of life. Now, you don't yet know what's on the other side, and that kind of scares you, makes you a bit nervous, but you know that you cannot stay any longer where you are. You know that you need life, that you know that you need to experience what only Jesus can bring. You know that you must be born again. But how does this happen? How do we get born again? What is the mechanism or the agent that brings about this birth from above? How does this birth get, get uh, induced? Well, the answer is belief. You have to believe in order to be born again, right? True belief in, induces new, new birth. Hebrews 11 verse 5 says this, And without faith, which is another word, for belief. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Right? Faith, faith or belief isn't simply saying, I agree or mental assent. It's not that. It's trusting in something or someone enough to change the very purpose of your entire existence. It's trusting in someone or something enough to change the very purpose of your entire existence. It's going all in. It's a new birth. And to experience this new, new birth in Jesus, you need to go all in. Now let's listen to some more verses from John chapter 3. And as you hear them, I want you to count how many times the word believe or a similar word is used. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that they may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Okay, how many times was the word believe used? Well, in just three verses, I think it's used four times. And what is the result of believing? New birth. True belief induces new birth. Listen to these words from uh, Roger Frederickson. 
and uh, feel the pulse of excitement as he writes, okay? He says this, Ah, but this new birth is not an intensified continuation of old ways. No, this is a new beginning, a starting over again. This is new life given by God himself, a breaking in of his grace, a supernatural act of bringing forth a new creation. He says, physical life is born through the intimacy of human love shared by male and female in which there is the, the union of egg and sperm. But there is also a spiritual act of divine grace in which God gives himself to a particular person who in receiving him is born anew. It is the union of the divine and the human. Listen to this, folks. It is the union of the divine and the human, the supernatural and the natural, the heavenly and the earthly, that new life comes. This newborn person now understands a new order of being, the kingdom of God. Isn't that incredible? This is what happens when you are born again. And the message of Christmas is that Jesus underwent physical birth so that you might experience spiritual birth. He experienced our first birth so that we might experience second birth. And that's what verse 13 and 14 means. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. So he came from heaven, the Son of Man. And then just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. And so here we, we see Jesus experiencing you know, the physical birth, and then, and then here, lifted up, just as Moses lifted up the snake of the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, and that's talking about Jesus being lifted up on the cross first and foremost, but then also lifted up back into heaven afterwards, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. And so, friends, we need to reclaim the wonder of being born again. Born from above, we need to shake off this semantic satiation and we, we, we need to rediscover the radical message of you must be born again. You see, to be born again is to be born into love. When a baby is born, they are born into the love of a family, of a mother or a father or sisters or brothers or maybe an adoptive family. God created babies to be born physically into an environment of, of love, um, a place of safety where they know that they're unconditionally loved and cared for. And that, that physical birth is a reflection of the second birth when we are born spiritually, once again, into a family of love. We are loved by a father. We are loved by a brother. We are loved by a Holy Spirit. We are born into a community of love. And we have brothers and sisters all around the world. But you can never know this glorious truth until you make a commitment in faith to this family. Just as the baby uh, in the womb can never know the mind-blowing love of a family and hugs and unconditional love until they are born. To experience the wonder of life, a baby must be born. And to experience the wonder of spiritual life, we must be reborn. We must be born again. We must be born from above. Friends, Jesus underwent physical birth so that you can know the wonder of spiritual birth. And when a human is born again, then they, then they become fully human as God intended them to be. 
but we can only experience this new life by passing through the birth canal, through the crisis of belief, of faith. Now, this morning, maybe you're like Nicodemus. You're respected and you're religious and you think you know who Jesus is. Maybe you've been going to church for years and no one suspects that you're not born again. Maybe you're someone who's not respected, but, but you want to come to Jesus in the dark of the night because it's the only time that you think that no one else will see you coming. Maybe you, you feel ashamed and there's sin. And there's a lot of regret. And there's, a lot, and, there's, and there's a trail of hurt behind you. And you wonder, how can I ever be reborn from that? But just like Nicodemus, Jesus breaks through your resistance. And he says, very truly, I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. You must be born again, not the person next to you, not your parents or your children um, or your husband or your wife. You must be born again. To know the life that Jesus offers, to know this life, you must believe in him. You must believe in him, right? The Son of Man was lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And when you are born again, you know life. You look back at your life, at your time in the darkness, and you say, this is what I was missing. This is what I was missing. True belief induces new birth. You will, know, you will know hope like we talked about in week one. You will know peace like we talked about in week two. You will know joy like we talked about last week. And you will know love. And so to close off this, this, this um, moment, um, let us pray together. And let me say this to you. If you know that this is your time to be reborn, this is your time to be born again, this is your time to be born from above, then I want you to... You know, to pray along with me and to repeat what I say. All right? Are you ready? Let's pray. Jesus, I come to you in faith, not really sure what I'm doing. But I know I don't want to stay where I am. I don't want to stay in the darkness of condemnation. I know I cannot earn your blessing. I can only receive it as a gift. I know I cannot bring life to myself. Only you can do this. Lord, I cannot enter your kingdom unless I am born again. And so I confess that I am a sinner in need of a savior. Lord, I confess the things that I've done in the darkness that so far have prevented me from coming to you. I'm sick and tired of living in darkness and hiding from you. I need a savior. Please save me. 
forgive me of all the wrong things I have done. And I thank you that Jesus experienced physical birth so that I might know spiritual birth. And in faith, I enter into new birth, into life. In faith, I accept that Jesus died for me. In faith, I accept that I am loved by the Father. In faith, I trust that my past is washed clean. In faith, I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me with yourself. Fill me with hope. Fill me with boldness. Make me a messenger of the good news. Let me know who to tell about this new birth. Thank you, God, that I am now reborn. Thank you, God. Amen. And friend, if you've made the choice this morning to be reborn into God's family, then I'd love to hear from you. Write me a message, write me an email, write me a text, and uh, let me know. Uh, let us know that, uh, that, that, that you've made this incredible step. And share with someone who you trust. Someone who you trust. Don't just hold it inside. But share it with someone, what God has done in your life and for you. Praise God.